networks must be separately designed, deployed, commissioned, and tested. So these networks are not born connected. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Industrial Security Podcast. My name is Nate Nelson. I am here with Andrew Ginter, the Vice President of Industrial Security at Waterfall Security Solutions. He is going to introduce the subject and the guest of today's show. Andrew, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you, Nate. Our guest today is Daniel Ehrenreich. He is a consultant, an industrial security expert, and a trainer whose home base is in Israel, which is one of the hotbeds of cybersecurity innovation in in both the IT and the industrial worlds. Our topic today, we're going to cover a lot of ground, but we're going to start with ITOT non-convergence. Okay, here's you and Daniel. Hello, Daniel. Before we get started, can you tell us a bit about yourself and about what you're up to nowadays? Thank you, Andrew, for inviting me to this podcast. Uh, My name is Daniel Ehrenreich. I started my engineering activity about 45 years ago. I work for leading industries like Tadirani Israel, Motorola, Siemens, and finally water uh, water for security under your, your guidance. I'm strongly involved with uh, ICS cybersecurity since the Stuxnet because this was the first event when industrial control people realized that uh, an isolated or air-gapped system is not safe. So when I work for Motorola, we suddenly started to pay attention to cybersecurity. Today, I am a self-employed a consultant, a lecturer, and conference leader, keynote speaker, but mainly and exclusively focusing on industrial control cybersecurity, which we call today ICS, OT, IIoT, of course, and this is my activity. We're going to cover a lot of, of ground today, but you know, our first topic and the, the title of the episode is ITOT Non-Convergence. So, you know, some history in in 2005 or so, the Gartner Group created the term, they coined the term ITOT convergence. They predicted that, you know, within a decade or so, most OT teams would report to the same C-level people as IT teams. Most of the OT business processes uh, would be integrated with with IT business processes. So, you know, for example, if you needed a relational database in in an an industrial application, it makes no sense to buy a SQL Server license when you've already bought an unlimited enterprise license from Oracle. What was left kind of unsaid in that you know, vision of, of ITOT integration. They were talking about really integrating the teams, integrating the business processes. What was left unsaid was that, um, you know, you, of course, your IT and your OT networks are going to be connected and become, you know, uh, converged through this integration, uh, this integration of your, your personnel and your business processes. Fast forward 15 years, we're in 2020 now, we see a lot of predictions that the Gartner Group has made have come true. Uh, you know, they maybe didn't come true quite as fast as were predicted, but we see a lot of OT teams interacting heavily or sometimes even reporting to the same C-level executive as the IT, as the enterprise security teams. Now, you wrote an article very recently for the uh, the startupobservatory.com. You argued that the convergence really isn't happening. Can you talk about that article? What do you mean that that it's not happening? 
First of all, uh, Gartner is a respected company. They have researches. They look at the long-term uh, processes, what is going to happen. So we all know that traditionally in big organizations, there was always a problem that the OT people did not really talk to the IT people and the IT security people. There was a gap between the people and the, the OT people said, please do not come to our area because you don't really understand what we are, what we are doing. So, th- so there was a gap. Uh, Indeed, what Gartner said, that the people will come together. And this is correct. One reason is that if you are looking into the IT network, the network components, the network architecture, and you are looking into the OT network, what I would like to call, there is a section which we call the IT in the OT zone. You, you see similarity. So you cannot say, oh, you have a firewall type A and we have a firewall type B or switches and so on. So people must work together. People must collaborate. People must help each other. This is fine. Related to the IT and OT network, there is, there is a problem which is largely misunderstood. And the... If you ask many people, what do you mean by IT-OT convergence? You will see people are hesitating. They, they will not really have a clear answer. First of all, very important to say that IT uh, networks and, and the architectures are protecting information data. We all know through the CIA, confidential integrity availability. When you are looking into the OT network, the OT network is also proce- protecting data, but the process data. Now, now if uh, we cannot say, and I know many people are saying, oh, for the OT, we say integrity, availability, confidentiality, they are rotating the letters. And I say we need to use SRP, safety, reliability, and productivity Productivity means that the factory or the plant, uh, the plant is operating. Now you have a big difference between the between these plants, and uh, in what I say is that these two networks must be separately designed, deployed, commissioned, and tested, and they should work separately. However. For increased productivity, improved productivity, cost re- maintenance cost reduction, and the better management control on what is happening, we need to connect this network. So these networks are not born connected. We need to connect, uh, connect this network in order to pass the information in majority of the time from the OT into the IT network, rarely for very good reasons, uh, it, we, we pass information to the OT network. So, so the IT, it's not really a convergence. Two separate networks connected for a good reason. And once we understand it, it will be more clear. 
Now, when we are looking into the architecture, the OT, ICS OT architecture, we see the new player, the IIoT, the Industrial Internet of Things. Now, how this new player is integrating, integrating to the OT network, it first of all increased the attack surface and the you cannot uh, now say, okay, everything is converged. The, the, the OT, the IIoT, the IT, all are converged. Then we will we will not have safety. We cannot assure safety uh, of of the system because we all know that the internet network is connected. That the IT network is connected to the internet, and there is only so much you can do to protect it. So. This is the reason why I say connected, yes. How connected? You need to understand the, the processes in the OT section. Then you can we, can, we we talk about it later, how you perform that connection. But, but this is not convergent. And this is the topic of the last paper, and I published a couple of papers on this topic before. So, Nate, you heard Daniel mention that uh, he'd worked at Waterfall uh, for a while. Um, you know, I worked with Daniel at Waterfall a, a couple of years ago. Um, this was before he sort of got the uh, the call to, to go and do the conference and, and uh, you know, do stuff on his own. Uh, but, you know, Waterfall's headquarters is in Israel. We are one of the, uh, the, the OT security uh, former startups. I mean, we're 13 years old now. In Israel, uh, so in a sense, it's not surprising. Israel's a small place. It's not surprising that uh, Daniel's done some work with us. Right, and I, I noticed he mentioned safety and reliability, but Daniel also mentioned productivity. Um, Andrew, is that the same as reliability, you know, keeping keeping the plant going? Uh, it's not. It's not. Um, so let me back up. You know, uh, in the beginning, it was all about confidentiality, integrity, availability. This is the buzzword on the IT side. It still is, you know, protect the information. And, you know, in the early days of, of industrial security, um, a lot of advice came out from the ISA, from other authorities, you know, that was heavily influenced by IT because in the day, IT were the security experts and the OT people were, were still coming up to speed. And so they, they reversed it and they said, protect the integrity first for safety protect availability next which translated into reliability and you know confidentiality as well but as time went by um, you know a lot of people started saying you know those words don't really resonate with this industry let's talk about safety because that's the first priority at every industrial site I've ever visited let's talk about reliability because the priority is I've got a billion dollar asset physical asset here I've got to keep productive um, What's been happening very recently, this is still evolving. I mean, this is a new field. Uh, that, that terminology I only started hearing being used about five years ago, the safety reliability stuff. Um, it's, it played a big role in, uh, in the second generation advice. NIST came out with um, a, a standard, 800-82. This is the Industrial Control System Security Standard that NIST came out with. Uh, their version 2 that came out less than five years ago um, talked about a lot about safety and reliability. They picked up on this terminology. What I've heard more recently is, you know, I've heard terms like continuous, correct, and efficient operations. And 
you know, I haven't heard Daniel's terminology, safety, productivity, reliability, or sorry, safety, reliability, and productivity. Um, so the productivity is new to me, but I'm thinking it, it probably dovetails with the efficiency term I've heard used. To me, the productivity and the efficiency thing speaks to the imperative for ITOT integration. This is why the Gartner Group, one of the reasons the Gartner Group, you know, was talking about this 15 years ago now. Um, the efficient operations has to do with what happens, I think, on the IT network. So, you know, it's always been possible to operate the power plant without a connection to IT. You just keep the lights on. You, you know, push coal into the, the burners. You, you heat the boilers. You turn the steam turbines and so on. Efficient operations, um, you know, is things like predictive maintenance. Reduce your maintenance costs by delaying maintenance because you've determined that it's possible to do so safely given the operating uh, environment of the equipment. Or when you run out of inputs, when you run out of spare parts, when you run out of supplies, um, you can order those things, but order them in a sense automatically in the in the IT space. Uh, be based on information you're gathering from operations. So a lot of those efficiencies are happening out on the internet, they're happening on the IT space, using the OT data to uh, create business efficiencies is why we do the connection. And, you know, the punchline that I heard here in, in uh, Daniel's analysis was that um, the people he's talking to do not see that IT networks are converging with OT networks. He does not see that, you know, the, the OT equipment is being put on the IT network and it's becoming one big happy network. That's not what he's what, what I heard that, that, you know, he's seeing. What I heard him seeing, saying is that he sees these networks being connected for productivity reasons, not integrated, not becoming the same network. And I think that's an important differentiation. And that's what I explored with him next uh, in, in my next question. So in your paper, you were saying you'd, you'd talk to a lot of, uh, you know, cybersecurity practitioners in your practice, in your consulting practice. And, uh, you know, one of the differences that, that they're coming back with is, is priorities on these networks. Are there other differences you can talk about? Yes, uh, this, is, this is also very important. The first most important problem is that we are facing that there is that uh, IT, IT people have their own way of how they handle the system. They are uh, frequently patching, frequently updating, and, uh, and doing uh, whatever is necessary to, to protect the confidentiality. We all know that the major difference is that OT net, ICS OT networks cannot be modified, cannot be patched, cannot be upgraded easily because every change in this in the software or also in the hardware is representing the risk to operating safety and reliability. So when I if I want to point, point on one major one major changes is uh, the fact that uh, 
systems cannot be upgraded. And this is the reason why we often see systems operating for 10, 20 years, say, or even longer. And even today, you, you can find Windows XP, Windows 7, and these legacy operating systems because people are concerned about upgrading them. One important point is we all know that organizations do not have a good uh, documentation on what is installed, the processes, and uh, we all know that once you are touching the system, something can happen. If you don't have a good documentation, you will not be able to repair it. So this, I would say this is the major difference between the IT and the OT. So let me paraphrase real quick. Um, what I heard uh, Daniel explain as, as differences, the, the two key differences he, he cited, um, you know, one is that the, the OT networks, um, they cannot be changed easily. And he's absolutely right. Um, the engineers in charge of those, those networks, you know, the first time, any time you ask them for a change, any kind of change, an IT change, a security change, a physical change, any change, the first question they have to ask is, will this change kill anybody? This is why engineering is a profession. They're like doctors. They're required to stay up to date with stuff because they're dealing with, you know, at least some, some engineers are dealing with life-critical circumstances. And, you know, the second question they have to ask is, uh, will this, this change uh, trip my plant and cause an unplanned shutdown of a billion-dollar physical asset? And the answer is never zero. The answer is never no, it won't. The answer is probabilistic. And so they have to do serious investigation. And this takes time. And so you can't just change the software and apply a security update and cross your fingers. This is, this is un unacceptable. Uh, the other thing that I heard, uh, you know, Daniel mentioned was the, uh, uh, the documentation. And he's right. Uh, a lot of uh, industrial sites, um, they don't have the, uh, all the documentation that you'd expect. To me, though, that's a fixable thing. You can go in and document what you have, investigate what you have. The thing about the, uh, you know, the, the, the need to control change, the, the fact that industrial networks change very slowly and some sort of IT security expectations are that things change very quickly when we discover new vulnerabilities. That change control imperative, I think, is, uh, is something that can't be fixed. It's intrinsic in industrial networks. It's never going to go away. And this is always going to be an impediment to integration. Okay, so if we really can't integrate the networks, if all we can do is connect them, I guess the question is, how do we do that? How connected can we be? How do we design those connections? This is the very important question. And I always say that we, need, we must start with understanding the operating process in the ICS-OT zone. Why is that? Because when we speak about integration, in some cases, we are required to export the data from the ICS OT zone to the IT to the IT zone, and maybe later to the warranty provider of the turbine. They need to they need to receive the data. There are some other cases where frequently we need to have 
I don't want to call it two-way communication, but frequently the IT network must send information to the OT and the OT must send the operation data to the IT. And once we understand this process, we can have a clear view about how to perform the connectivity. In some cases, easily you can put a unidirectional security gateway to transmit the data from the OT to the IT. If you require two-way communication, you may, you may either use a strong, strong firewall or you can use a demilitarized zone or you can have a, any kind of customized uh, solution. Today, we are talking a lot about the need to perform remote connection to the OT network because people cannot easily travel, experts cannot, cannot come from abroad to repair things. So, so here we have another way of uh, another reason for the connectivity because you, even if you connect remotely, you will always have to go through the IT from the IT to the OT and not directly to, to the OT because uh, this may be this may be high risk. When we are speaking about the connectivity, we need to know that if you are looking into an architecture, you may find easily 20, 30, even 40 different zones which are not working together. So, and each of them requires specific treatment. So when you allow connectivity, how you are going to do it? You are going to connect to the entire OT. You are going to, going to connect just to a specific zone. So there is a there is a lot of things they you need to understand here. Then the and the expert people in the plant need to understand. We all know that new attacks are coming. Zero day vulnerabilities are being they detected almost every week, and this is the reason. That not that when we decide on the connectivity, in addition, we need to talk about additional security measures for deployment of uh, of IDS, SIM, uh, and uh, and other things. So the the name of the game is understand the process, understand why connectivity is needed, and deploy the connect the the correct and cyber-secured connection accordingly. Waterfall Security Solutions is the OT security company, and we are pleased to announce a new white paper, Cybersecurity Imperatives for Vital Rail Networks at Operation Control Centers. Strong cybersecurity is a prerequisite for safe, reliable, and efficient railway operations. Waterfall's unidirectional security gateways provide hardware-based protection for signaling, train safety, energy management, and other vital networks. The gateways replicate critical systems, devices, and protocols to external networks unidirectionally. Those replicas provide safe access to operations control center data. To download the white paper, please visit waterfall-security.com and look for rails under the industries menu. So Andrew, in in your view, now that Daniel's described all the ways that we can connect IT and OT, how integrated can they really get? That's a good question. Um, 
let me let me let me give you an analogy. Um, have we have I given you the the sort of the the, the industrial internet vision? Um, have I, I I can't re- recall. We've done forty episodes now. Have we ever talked about sort of a vision where everything is on the internet, even the safety systems? Uh, I don't recall any specific vision. Okay, so so bear with me for a second. Um, I once heard another expert. Uh, you know, he asked me, you know, not to name names, but he said to me, "Look, the uh, this was a couple of years ago." He said, "The vision for the industrial internet, the industrial internet of things." So we're we're taking a bit of a, a tangent here. The vision is every industrial device is on the internet, has an address on the internet that's that's universally accessible. The safety systems, the protective relays, the control systems, the PLCs, everything. Everything is connected to the cloud. The cloud discovers all these connections, figures out what the devices are. The clouds talk to each other. They figure out what the physical process is. It's all standardized. They auto-configure the devices. Um, the, the whole you know, industrial site, be it refinery or power plant, is operated remotely. There is no local control room. The operator sits in at head office in another city. Everything happens over the internet. Everything is integrated. Everything is automatic. Everything just works. That's the vision. And, you know, the question is, how close can we come to that? Yeah, Andrew, uh, you know, admittedly, I'm a bit surprised at hearing that come from you because that kind of seems like the opposite way of the way that we usually talk about industrial security and how connectivity can lead to, you know, all the catastrophic problems we've discussed on past episodes. Absolutely. So, you know, what I, my response to the gentleman when I heard this vision was, that's a great vision. I agree completely with that vision in terms of, you know, the, 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 the enormous benefits we can get from that vision. Um, if it were realized. There's real problems with realizing it the way it's envisioned, though. So to me, the key question was, that's a great vision. That's sort of a, a, a high bar to set. The question is, how close can we get to that bar? How close can we come to that vision and still be safe and still be secure and still you know, be reliable? And I think that's an open question. That's a very useful question. Um, if you know, if we cannot achieve the vision, can we achieve all the benefits of the vision without the risks that come with it? And I see the same thing here. I think um, you know what what I uh, what I heard. Uh, you know, I, I think the Daniel saying, "Look," and this is the first time I've heard anybody say this. So this was interesting to me. Um, we're not going to see integration of these networks. We're going to see connectivity of these networks, and there's lots of different ways to connect them. But the vision is integration because we want the benefits of integration. And so the open question is, given that we can only connect these networks, how can we, how close can we come to the benefits of integration given that what we do is connect them? And I think we can come very close. We don't have to put every safety device on the IT network in order to reap the benefits that we would get by having that. So that I think is a, is a very interesting and useful question. How do we use connectivity to get the benefits of the vision of integration? Yeah, Andrew, I take your point. Um, I think that it's useful also for people to hear this this from you because you tend to be, um, you know, I, we've had some guests on the show who come at 
the vision that you're talking about and they want to head straight for it, whereas you're a bit more cautious. Um, I think it's useful that everybody is working towards the same goal. Um, it's just a matter of to what extent we all think it can work and on what timeline maybe. That's right. And, and uh, you know, if we have the same goal, the same vision in mind, you know, we don't you know, step straight to the vision and say, oh, crap, you know, we have a problem. We work our way towards it and we use the tools that we have and we, you know, we invent new tools to, and I think the, the point of the vision is not that everybody wants integration, it's that everybody wants the benefits of integration. And so what we need to do is acknowledge the vision as, you know, the benefits of integration are tremendous. Um, and, you know, how close can we get to that safely? And I think that's a very useful question. And it's the first time I've heard that question. So that's, that's an interesting perspective. You know, this ITOT topic is not, you know, the only thing that you're, you're up to. I introduced you doing some training as well. Um, can you talk about what kind of training are you doing and, and who do you see coming to, to that training? Andrew, this is a very important point. We all know the famous PPT triad, the people, policies, processes, and technologies. And if you are looking at the triad, the P for, P, the P for people is on the top. And this is reflecting to, to training. Uh, training must be done to all levels, all levels, the operation levels, the engineering levels. When I conduct a general introduction training to ICS on ICS cybersecurity, it can go from four hours to 16 hours. Even I had the longer training of 24 hours. Uh, usually coming, I, OT people who understand the SCADA OT process, but they don't know ICS cybersecurity. Then our IT people are coming who want to learn what is all about OT cybersecurity, what I need to know. And I had an example of a, of a food plant with over 20 facilities, and they invited me for training, and suddenly I see all the people are IT people. I said, where are the OT people? No, we want to learn what they are doing. Then in the additional coming, the managers who need to know what is uh, all about. Uh, Other type of training is uh, related to understanding the standard. We all all know that the ISA IEC 62443 is the only standard. Actually, there are 14 paragraphs and only five paragraphs are the standard. But this is a very good document which includes all the aspects of ICS cybersecurity. And once I teach this process, people better understand how to protect their plant, how to collaborate with uh, among the teams. So I see Training is very important. Unfortunately, organizations are a little bit reluctant to allow people to to come to training or finance the training. I think a lot of attention is needed and I'm working very hard to improve that situation. You also run an industrial control system security conference in Israel. Can you tell me a bit about the conference? This is interesting. Uh, I started by 
went strongly to the ICS cybersecurity after the Stuxnet. And then I realized that there is not much done, as I mentioned earlier, about ICS cybersecurity. In 2016, I connected with uh, the the, uh, company People and Computers, and they said, why don't you organize this conference and lead it and select the speakers and do whatever is needed because we don't know exactly how to how to organize such an event. So because I always wanted to do a boutique conference, I picked this idea. Initially, we started with about 300 people. Many, even the, those who invested in this conference were not sure if it's going to be successful, but it was a huge success. And since that, we we continued 17, 18, 19. Unfortunately, this year we are going to skip it, but the next conference, the fifth ICS CyberSec in Israel is already scheduled for late March uh, 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 2021. So, I'm leading these activities and uh, selecting the speakers and selecting the topics. Organizing a panel of experts is truly an exciting event uh, that we are doing in Israel. You mentioned selecting the speakers. How do you select your speakers? Is there a, a like a competitive call for presentations where mere mortals like me or others could uh, propose a topic for your conference? Because we are we are lifting it to one day, there are about uh, 15 lectures. It is not so difficult for me because I know the whole industry in Israel. I know the experts. I know the, the, the people who are coming from factories, from electric plants, water plants. I know all these people. So I'm... I'm putting together the, the focus of the conference and then I'm coming to these people. We have this conference, come over, come over and they speak here. Obviously, we are telling all people not to do any sales speeches. It must be interested, interesting. It must be innovating. It must educate, educate the people. And after all these speeches, I make a, I organize a panel of experts. What I'm doing, I'm taking five very difficult questions. Something that is like, how do you patching a PLC? What kind of precautions you need to do when you, when you perform a remote access? And I'm asking five, the same five questions these five experts, and this is a beautiful session. Some people t- are all, uh, told me that this is the best part of the conference because we learn how these experts are refer- referring to these difficult questions and what are their opinions. So it's going very well. So the way how we are organizing this conference, uh, because it's the short conference, there is no official call for papers, uh, for presenters. But of course, I'm encouraging anyone who is interested to do a presentation, please contact me directly. Send me the topic that, that you want to talk about. And for sure, I will find a way how to integrate it to this conference because we definitely want to see many people participating in interesting lectures. Have you ever been a speaker at this conference? 
I never have. I've never had opportunity to attend the conference. It is in Israel. It's, you know, some distance away. Um, Waterfall, uh, though, has sponsored the conference a couple of times. We bought a booth there. Um, I think we might even have had one of our other people uh, in a speaking slot. I forget. Um, so, you know, I'm going to try and visit. I mean, 300 people is a big event. So I'm going to try and get over there uh, one of these years. Um, and what I wanted to mention was, um, you know, Daniel's description of his panel of experts on the end. That's something that I'm seeing sort of the, uh, in a sense, the, the, the biggest, the most the most useful conferences do. S4 on the end has the same three experts every year if they can get them. And they just do sort of a, a recap. And it's interesting hearing the sort of the the final three gurus doing the recap. I remember on the, the Department of Homeland Security's ICSJWG events that happened twice a, week, twice a year in the United States, um, Marty Edwards for six years, he did uh, a session on the very last session, which was called ask me anything. And it was very popular. People would, would stay to the end for that. And, you know, you have to put something interesting on the end of the conference or people start taking off for their, for their flights. They, uh, you know, they abandon the conference, but, you know, you, so these, this, this concept of putting something really interesting on the end of the conference is something that I see a, a bunch of people doing nowadays. We're coming up on the end of the the interview here. Is there a thought you'd like to leave with our listeners? Thank you, Andrew. We re- we really cover the major the major topic, but still we need to uh, for the summary we need to say that uh, the dealing with ICSOT cybersecurity must start with understanding the process, and this is the reason why this. Activity may be difficult for uh, for IT people. This, however, IT teams and OT teams must help each to other because what I already mentioned, the the IT within the OT and the IT looks similar. So same technology and same approach need to help each other how to do it uh, right. Uh, we, we must uh, say it again and again. Every software-based defense can be can be compromised. This is critical, and safety must be always first. Of course, there are systems which are not safety-related, like correct, collecting information from a uh, utility meters, which is a sort of ICSOT, but it's not safety-related. So we need to understand what is all about. Finally, I would like to bring back people. Look at the standard ISA IEC 62443 positively. It makes a lot of sense. It is difficult to read the whole document, which has over 1,000 pages, but the principles are important. And if we follow these principles, the separation to zones and the risk assessment and the and the correct uh, deployment of cyber uh, defense procedure, procedures the whole world will be much safer and better cyber secured finally i would like to say is that Cybersecurity for industrial control is very important, and I dedicate my activity to achieving this goal, 
anyone who is interested to send me a mail directly and ask any question, re- receive copy of any of the papers which I which I published, feel free to contact me. You can find me on the LinkedIn and uh, I will do my best to respond and help everyone who, who need help. Andrew, how about your last word? Well, looking back on the on the interview, the uh, I'll just you know repeat myself briefly. Um, what I th- thought was was the most interesting insight is connected, not integrated. You know, IT and OT networks, and you know the the vision is integrated. The benefits we want are from the integration, um, and. You know, the interesting question is, if all we can do is connect these networks, how close can we get to these benefits? And I think we can get really close to all of the benefits of integration. So that's a question I think is is worth thinking about further. Okay. Thanks to Daniel Ehrenreich for speaking with you, Andrew. And as always, Andrew, thank you for speaking with me. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Nate. This has been the Industrial Security Podcast from Waterfall. Thanks to everybody listening. <music>